As you will know, probably, uh, we've got a bit of a focus this year. Uh, our motto text each year, we take a motto text, a little verse, and that's our theme that kind of generates our thinking for the year. And this year, it's pray continually, always be thankful from 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. And uh, so we've looked at various different, uh, for the last few weeks, prayers from uh, from different parts of the Bible. So we've looked, for example, at Abraham's prayer. We've looked at Hannah's prayer. And today we're going to look at a prayer that Paul prayed. Uh, he prayed for the Ephesian church. Uh, it, it's Actually, Margaret and I were discussing just before the service, and it's, she said, I think that's my favorite passage, the passage you're speaking on today. I said, me too. I said, it's either that or it's Colossians 1, 15 to the end, which is about the supremacy of Christ. And Margaret was like, me too. So we've got, we don't know which is our favorite verse of those, the passage of those two passages, but this is an amazing passage. Um, and, but what I'm actually going to do, well, I'll start the passage. It says, when, it's verse 14 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. It said, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. And uh, there's that old traditional uh, saying, not a traditional saying, uh, you've probably heard me say it several times before, um, from a, a guy who was in our church years ago uh, with a Brummy accent, it always stuck in my mind because when you see the word therefore, you find out what it's there for. And um, obviously it doesn't say therefore, but it says when I think of all this. So it kind of indicates that we need to go back a bit to really get a hold of what Paul is thinking about. And uh, I thought about this a fair bit at the beginning of the week because I thought I can't. I can't say what Paul says in chapters one and two of Ephesians, I cannot say it better than how Paul said it. Like I just, it's incredible. The, um, the truth, the uh, mind-boggling theological truth that is contained in chapters one and two of Ephesians. Um, oh, it gets me going. So uh, we're going to get ourselves going this morning and uh, I'm going to put my reading glasses on and we're actually going to read Ephesians chapters one and two. All right, so I hope... Um, if you start to nod off, um, well, if the person next to you starts to nod off, nod off, just if you pinch them just behind their, the back of the arm there really hard, that'll, or get the earlobe, dig your fingernail into their earlobe, wake them up. Right, so let's read it, because this will give us a bit of a, a picture, a context that has led to Paul oh, with his prayer in Ephesians 3. And blasting out over the Ephesians this amazing prayer from Ephesians 3. So, here we go. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Sorry. If you're listening on the, on the podcast, there was a little um, tune came blasting out then. Uh, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy 
and without fault in his eyes. I think even that verse needs a little bit of a mini cheer because that's incredible. Is there anything, any response? Sarah's excited about that. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Now he has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. That's very good news. God's purpose was that we uh, Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, which applies to most of us, have heard the truth the good news that God saves you. Um, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Are we doing all right so far? Some good stuff. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. And I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he called and his, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Think of that. You are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Is that going in? Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. 
It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. If you want to, stand up, turn around, sit down, just to kind of do a little bit of a break in your mind, because there's a lot to take in. Right, chapter two. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins... You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions, desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Who can identify with that? By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But... God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Whoa! So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all that he has done for those who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Just think of that transition. Dead in our sins and now we are God's masterpiece. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not um, know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law With its commandments and regulations, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit 
because of what Christ has done. I'm feeling a bit, ooh. Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being part, made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Take a moment of pause. What an incredible story of God's intervention, of God breaking down the walls of division, of God stepping into our mess, of God meeting us where we were at and lifting us into relationship with him and has brought us together as his body, united in Christ and the dwelling place where he lives by his spirit. God in us, Christ's body. And that he's bringing all things together under the authority of Christ for the benefit of the church. So I'm just going to throw out a few of the statements that came up there. A load of things will have just landed probably and let's just allow God's word to do its work in us. Uh, and that he would bring to our minds this week some of the things that we've just read because they're phenomenal realities. But we united with Christ, blessed with every spiritual blessing, loved and chosen, brought into God's family. God, you know, has purchased our freedom. He's rich in mercy. It says he showered us with kindness He's bringing everything under the authority of Christ. He identifies us as his own. We are made alive in Christ. We're brought back from the death of sin by God's grace. We've been brought near to God. We have peace with Christ. Christ is over all things. We are being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So that's what's going through Paul's mind. What we've just read, all that stuff. And there was a little bit of a parenthesis as well. Because he started at the beginning of chapter 3 with, when I think of all this. And he's like, oh, by the way, blah, 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 blah. He goes on a load more, which we won't go into now. And then he comes back to it in verse 14. When I think of all this again. When I think of who we are 
in God. When I think of what the cross has accomplished, when I think of this reality that God bringing all things together under the authority of Christ, when I think of us being chosen, when I think of the riches of God's grace and mercy that's been poured out over our lives, when I think of God bringing down the wall of division that separated us from each other and separated us from him, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how high, how long and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now that prayer... We have all sorts of different prayers, haven't we? we? When we did the introduction to this concept of praying continually, we've talked about contemplative prayer. We've talked about intercession. We've talked about, you know, there's, we can bring lists of, and we have prayer request forms, and we can write down, you know, I've got a, a gamini, or pray for my neighbor's rabbit. or You know, there's all sorts of things that we can write down, and we come to God with our list of needs and things that we are on our hearts. And they're really great prayers to pray. Lots of times in, in, in you look at the life of Jesus and, you know, he, he often starts a conversation when he's about to do a miracle with, what do you want me to do for you? Usually they go away with a lot more than what they asked for. You know, the man who was lowered down through the roof, he needed to be healed, a miracle in his body. He was paralyzed and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. You know, he goes away free and cleansed and healed, all, all in one. Often we get more than what we ask for. But I want us to really think about this prayer and the reality of how Paul is praying here. And maybe to allow that to be a bit of a model for how we can pray. You see, this is not a prayer that is based upon felt or perceived need. This isn't, oh, I need a new job. This isn't, oh, we need a new car. Or this isn't, oh, gammy elbow. This is a prayer that is grounded in the truth of what is available. There's lots of things that I could ask you to pray for me. Lots of things that we need. Pray for Rebecca. 
pray. We need a car that we can all fit in. You know, there's all sorts of things that I could ask you to pray for us. But if I'm thinking about Solomon, it's going to fall. You know, when he could have asked for anything and he asked for wisdom. It's like, how would I want you to pray for me? If I could ask you to pray for me, I would want you to pray Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 over me every time. You see, when we have a revelation of who God is, how much he loves us, of what Christ has done, what that's accomplished for us and for the world, when we get a revelation of who we are in him and what he wants to accomplish in and through our lives, we'll change everything. If I can have that, I want to be careful what I say here because sometimes God tests you on these things, don't we? I'll cycle. You know, I'll cycle in the rain. If I can have this, if I can be, be um, empowered within a strength through his spirit, if I can have Christ making his home in my heart, if I can have my roots going deep into God's love, and may I understand how high and how wide and how long and how deep his love really is. If I could be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, if I could see God doing through me infinitely more than I could ask or think, I'd take that every time. Go for it. Let's, let's be praying that. Please pray that over my life. And I'm making a commitment, and we have this thing, we, we have a long list of, oh, I don't know, 300 and odd names, and we go through it on a, on a month-by-month basis when we meet as a leadership team, and we pray for everyone who is in the church. But I think I'm going to start to do that on a, on a daily basis, have a, you know, start to do, maybe take 10 names and just pray this over 10 people a day. And let's just go for it. You can do the same thing if you want. There's a church database, church suite. Just pick a few names and pray this Because you know what, there is a a, a time and a place and it's really good. On a Tuesday we pray and we think of specific needs and things that people are going through. And let's continue to do that. Let's bring reality of, okay, what do we want God to do for us? But why don't we take the challenge, and, and it's an exciting one, to pray for revelation of God of what he's done, of who we are in him, of what he wants to accomplish in and through our lives, and that we might see God do infinitely more than we could possibly ask or imagine. Let's pray that over each other's lives. Let's pray that over the church. This type of prayer changes lives, it changes people, it changes Churches, it changes communities, can change the world. Getting a a, a revelation, I mean, just getting a revelation of the reality that the church is God's plan for the world. That in itself will change everything. If everyone in this room, if we really got a hold of God's plan for the church, 
of God's desire to manifest his glory, manifest his rule and reign, manifest the goodness of his kingdom in our lives and through our lives. Just imagine the nuclear impact that that would have on our community. I mean, just can you imagine it? Can you, can you start to imagine it? I've got one other little passage I'm going to read. And then we're going to pray. From Romans 8. Eighteen to twenty-one. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Lord, I pray, like Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, That in our lives, in our walk with you, that we will get a revelation of how high and wide and long and deep your love is. We would get a revelation of your plan for the church. We'd get a revelation of what it means to be rooted and grounded in you. Becoming strong and Lord that we would get a revelation of how much you want to accomplish in and through our lives. Inspire us Lord through the way that Paul prayed here. From a place of real depth of understanding and revelation of biblical and theological truth. That we might pray truth over each other. That we might pray and speak out God's fullness over each other. That we might pray revelation knowledge, Lord. That, that, that real dawning of the reality of who we are in you. Let us pray that over each other. Let us pray for the manifestation of the kingdom of God. In the church and in and through our lives. We thank you, God, that you are a God who can do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. Forgive us, Lord, that we don't even sometimes bother to ask or imagine. Pray, Father, that you will inspire us with a reality of who you are. Who we are in you, Lord. Let us step into that. Let us walk in that. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Andy.
Sovereign.